0: Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: Hey, welcome to the latest episode of the show before the show podcast, the official podcast of minor league baseball. I logged into this call and Sam was wrapping up a sentence that ended with, and that's why Tyler is an idiot. And uh, just kicked my day off on the right note. Uh, Sam, care to explain yourself, you monster? No, we're we're holding that for the Patreon.
2: Uh, <laughs> the thing that Ben and I recorded until you rudely interrupted us. We well, then a conversation that was just amongst us and all of our wonderful Patreon subscribers. But no, you had to start the regular show, which is free and available for the public. So no, I will not be bringing this into the light, and uh, it's only for people who w- are willing to give me a hundred dollars each. This
1: is the separate Patreon from the other Patreon. This is the one that's just you and Ben talking trash about me. Yeah, the monstrosity, we call it. Pretty good. Well, those two guys in New York City are Benjamin Hill and Samuel P. Dykstra. And my name is Tyler Maughan. Thanks for having us on this week's episode of the show before the show, uh, inviting us into your homes or your cars or wherever you are. Uh, You can get in touch with us, podcast at MILB.com. And We talk all fun things minor league baseball, and uh, we got a lot coming up for you on this week's episode of the show before the show. Get in touch with your questions, your thoughts, your comments, your concerns, Um, and let's get going with kind of a unique story that kicks things off on this week's episode of the show before the show, in which we have a rebrand, kind of. We have like a holdover, we have like a rebrand that's got a connecting flight from the past identity to the next identity, and that is with the AAA Oklahoma City franchise and the affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers that will, in 2024, be known as the Oklahoma City Baseball Club. Uh, Benjamin Hill, please explain.
3: Yeah, I think that is a good analogy you had there, Tyler, The the connecting flight. I think 2024 for the Oklahoma City Baseball Club will be like, Waiting in the Charlotte airport, you know, after flying from Orlando and trying to get back to New York City or something along those lines. Um, But, yes, the Oklahoma City Dodgers, who I believe has spent the last nine seasons with that Dodgers name, of course, being the AAA affiliate in the Pacific Coast League of the Los Angeles Dodgers. uh, They are no longer the Dodgers. And in 2025, they will be announcing a, quote, fresh and local new identity. In 2024, they are just going to be known as the Oklahoma City Baseball Club. Um, it's obviously maybe not an ideal situation. Um, there was obviously an effort made to have this identity or have a identity ready for 2024. Uh, but Tyler, as you remember, and Sam, you listened to the episode, although you weren't there that day. But you know when we had Dan Simon, the logo designer, on a few uh, weeks ago, he was talking about – um, you know how pretty extreme the deadlines are for on-field product, and um, so if you run into issues uh, in the approval process, sometimes involving trademarks, there's all number of things that you can you can run into. So, uh, you know, we don't know the specifics with that, but they kind of had to put 2020 the the completely new identity on hold for 2025, have a placeholder year as the Oklahoma City Baseball Club. And it's been interesting to see, you know, today the reaction, you know, primarily what I've seen on Twitter is this is not coming across as like, what, what happened? What are you doing? I think for one, the Dodgers name in the state of Oklahoma didn't have a huge resonance, and the team remains the AAA affiliate of the Dodgers. So it's not like Oklahoma Cityans were like, what? You're not the Dodgers? We love the Dodgers. Um, of course, there's Dodgers fans in Oklahoma. Um, but when they took on the Dodgers name initially, uh, there were, members of the Do- the Los Angeles Dodgers ownership group in the ownership group of Oklahoma City Club. So there was an explicit connection, not just with the affiliation, but even with the ownership group as well. Uh, the team is now owned, as many teams are now by the conglomerate um, Diamond Baseball Holdings, DBH. Uh, Oklahoma City's in that portfolio. So they no longer have the Dodgers Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers connections and the ownership group. They remain the affiliate. Um, They're going for a fresh and local identity, and they'll just have to wait a little bit. But again, it's not just like some generic font um, that says Oklahoma City Baseball Club that someone designed 10 minutes before this announcement. They still were able to put together a really great logo set, Um, OKC as the primary logo with the circle in the O being the state of Oklahoma. Um, Their previous identity, uh, well, several iterations ago, of the 89ers, which is very locally popular. They have an alternate identity for the 89ers. They have an alternate that still incorporates uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers look a little bit, the OKLA logo. So OK, Oklahoma, LA, Los Angeles Dodgers, Um, red, white, and blue color scheme. Oh, and the city logo as well with 405 kind of running diagonally across an outline or Mm – a block of the state of Al- Oklahoma 405 being Oklahoma City's area code and uh red white and blue color scheme overall and really a pretty sharp and good look this is not just uh oh we have nothing we we got nothing but we just got to deal with it they they look pretty good and um Even if the name is actually just baseball club, uh, it looks pretty good. I mean, what do you think, Sam? Yeah,
2: I mean, it really opens itself up to being the OKCBC, which is just, well, I'm going to be calling it always on second reference, I think, moving forward. That is pretty close to being a soccer team name, obviously, or a football team name, if you want to go that way. But still, I kind of like it in that way, just for a year. It's fine. Like, they've not said, hey, this is in the running. They are clear that they are coming out with a team for next year. Just to touch on some other... Um, things that that Ben was talking about in that OKC primary logo. O and K are in blue. C is in red. So there's a a little bit more of a splash there uh, as well. And the 89ers logo is a mustachioed man wearing a hat that says OKC on it. Um, It looks a little bit like a fast food uh, logo from like the 60s. It's got a little bit of a retro feel to it, as it kind of should. And they have five different uniform sets, which, Tyler, I know this is more your area of expertise. Um, they have a home kit away alternate, which is the OKLA that Ben was talking about earlier, the 89ers, where it says 89ers across the front of the jersey. Uh, and then a city uh, version, which obviously is, is all about, you know, that's a big thing these days. is it coming up with like a, obviously, city connects. At the MLB level, this is a little bit different. But again, it says Oklahoma City across the front and has one blue sleeve and one red sleeve. Uh, So I'm sure they're going to be using that for special events. They're going to be the 89ers on Thursday nights. Uh, Every Thursday, they will be the 89ers. So there's going to be some mixing up of the look here. Uh, But, you know, I I think some one of the fun things is getting to see new things uh, across the minors. And this is definitely a new look for OKC. I
1: uh, have to throw out uh, just a couple of observations here. Uh, one of which is I do think that OKC logo is really cool, and I love the the use of the state of Oklahoma outline in the center of the O. Um, the other thing that I want to throw out is that this immediately, of course, sent me to the Oklahoma City baseball reference page in search of, okay, well, what's a cool old name from the history of Oklahoma City baseball that they could go to? The very first listed minor league team, in Oklahoma City, via baseball reference, was the Oklahoma City Mets from 1904. So wildly predating the New York Mets. I think they should just rename it as the Mets just to confuse everybody. Just call yourselves the Mets. You're not a Mets affiliate. You're not a New York. You have nothing to do with the Mets, but you had the name first. Go for it.
3: That's interesting. We're going to have to look look into that or you know, have our friend Josh Jackson uh, do some digging. Uh, Which of these Oklahoma
1: baseball teams?
3: Yeah, I mean, he's uh, – just go to the microfiche. Sure. Even that's new for Josh. I mean, he just he just has <laughs> massive archives of yellowing newspapers that basically turn to dust as soon as he touches them. But It keeps them uh, at, a,
1: at a temperature-controlled storage
3: vault. Exactly. Uh, but Mets, yeah, that, I, I want to know now. Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, I want to know the that, story
3: behind this. Is that too short for Metropolitans? I mean, I, I'd imagine so. I mean, but Mets could – Stand for other things.
1: If Mets doesn't work, I think they should go with one of the uh, extremely like 2000s dorky choices that were the alternates for the Oklahoma City Thunder name, uh, which included among them Bison out. Buffalo's already got Bison's. Barons out. Birmingham's already got Barons. But the other ones were Marshall's. Not bad. Uh, energy. Ooh. And my personal favorite, Wind. The Oklahoma City Wind, could you have thought of a dorkier name for an NBA team than if they would have gone? I mean, Thunder was pretty bad. Uh, could you have thought You're saying it blows <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and we should highlight that's nicely done? Like, wind surge is at least two names,
1: yeah. It's it's a whole different thing. Wind is like, what is the logo going to be here? It's just going to be horizontal lines, like what, wind. Come on, might as well just name them the air, the Oklahoma City. Oxygen mixed with hydrogen and whatever else is in the atmosphere. Nitrogen. I don't know. I don't Oklahoma know. Oklahoma City Atmosphere is that'd be kind of cool. cool. There's something cool. There's something there. That'd be kind of cool. Well, now we got to do another episode where we design a logo and it's atmosphere. Last year we did the Austin Knights. Now we can do the Oklahoma City Atmosphere. But the one thing that is important to note about this, as we noted, uh this is the, the stopover. This is the Charlotte Airport of this rebrand. So in 2025, there will be a new identity for the Oklahoma City Baseball Club.
3: Yeah, I think that's the primary takeaway in that 2024 will be unique. We know there'll be some logo fiends out there who will be actually excited about this, you know, because in the collections down the line, it'll be like, oh, remember this in 2024 when they were just called the baseball club? uh, It always had that kind of cool asterisk attached to it. And beyond that, uh, I think this pretty much ends uh, rebranding season in terms of uh, things really, you know, the more major announcements. We've gone from Greensboro to uh, Rome to – uh, Oklahoma city. And why am I blanking on the other one? Uh, the Northwest Arkansas naturals. So those yes. are the four of this, of this off season. And we'll have a slew of, uh, alternate identities, uh, coming soon. Um, but I think that'll
1: be it for, for the big ones. Well, Oklahoma city is going to be selling a whole lot of gear, uh, in this new stuff. I did like that thought that this is going to be one of those collector's items sorts of deals where it's, oh yeah. Remember when Oklahoma city was, That one year as just the Oklahoma City Baseball Club, remember that cool logo? I have that hat. That'll be one of those things in 2024. And uh, a guy who knows all too much about having to restock his team store's hats is going to join us uh, coming up next. Ben, give us a a tease. We got a really fun conversation coming up. Yeah,
3: Luke Tracy, merchandise manager for the Akron Rubber Ducks. He's only 23 years old, but he's been uh, working for the team since he was in college uh, as an intern and now has a pretty good handle on the job. And he also has... A really interesting story about a particularly difficult event that he and the Rubber Ducks went through last year in regards to their merchandise. So I wanted to talk to Luke about his career and uh, that unfortunate event of last December 27th. Well, we are still in the depths of the offseason, but it is a pretty big time for minor league merchandise because minor league baseball fans. Uh... Merchandise makes a great gift, hats, jerseys, tchotchkes, what have you. Um, good time to be buying minor league merchandise. But beyond that, we want to learn more about the role of a merchandise manager, uh, someone who handles the merchandise for a minor league club. And to that end, we brought in Akron Rubberducks, manager of merchandise, Luke Tracy, to uh, tell us about his job, his career so far, and who knows what else. Luke, thanks for being here today.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. Um Yeah, so I'm uh, the Akron Rubber Ducks uh, Manager of Merchandise. I've, uh, I just completed my second uh, full-time season uh, with the Rubber Ducks. I uh, graduated college from the University of Akron in 2022, and then uh, I've been uh, in the merchandise department ever since. So I was an intern uh, in the merchandise department in 2019, and then uh, now I'm in charge of the department.
3: Right, so even though you're a young guy, you've been doing this now for a number of years, going back to that internship, and that initial internship was that a fairly random assignment? Did you just know you wanted to work in baseball and ended up there, or did you have a specific interest, you know, in merchandise, uh, team stores, you know, from the beginning? How did you end up there?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I actually uh, came. The Rubber Ducks had a part-time job fair, uh, and I saw it uh, just on Twitter my freshman year of college, and then I, uh, I just wanted to have a summer job with them so then i went down to the stadium and then uh i was in line for one uh department interviews and then someone told me yeah there's no line for merchandise so uh, i i went into the merchandise uh department room and then uh i was asked a couple questions and then my former boss asked me hey do you want an internship and then uh, i so i took that opportunity and then uh I just learned a lot from him that summer and then uh I was kind of involved with him up until COVID and then uh I just uh, got to learn all about it and I had no intention of being in merchandise and then I just that summer just uh it really uh got me into it so I I enjoyed a lot
3: yeah it's funny how life works out that way a lot of the time I had no specific plan to be a minor league baseball writer and here I am and You know, little things can end up uh, becoming very big down the line, those little decisions we make. And one thing we wanted to talk to you about, and sorry if this is a somewhat traumatic memory. You're coming on the year anniversary of this, Uh, but last year on December 27th, 2020, 2022, over the holiday break, a pipe burst in the team store at Canal Park in Akron flooded the entire team store ruined all the inventory in the store. I mean, that is a pretty massive thing to deal with when your job is uh, manager of merchandise. What was that situation like for you? I mean, first of all, take us back to the beginning. When you first heard about it, you know, what were your reactions and how'd you proceed? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, so
0: the store was open until uh, December 23rd. So that was my last day in there. Uh, it was supposed to be for a while. And then uh, I got a I got a voicemail from our owner on the morning of the 27th saying uh, there was some significant damage to the merchandise in the store. on, And some of our guys were there cleaning it up. And he said, uh, just wanted to let you know personally, uh, so you didn't hear it from anyone else. And if you want to stop by, you can just take a look and I live like two blocks away from the stadium. So I walked over there. And when I was walking over there, the sidewalk was just completely frozen over, like just a sheet of ice. And uh just the water when I got there, the, the water was all drained out. But uh the water was like up to seven inches high on the walls, and it just uh spewed out into the out onto the sidewalk, out into holy the cow. Seven and, uh, inches high. It was uh it. We had like these barrels full of like uh, replica baseballs and it like it lifted the barrels up. They were floating and then they eventually like tipped over and all the baseballs were like floating like in the water. So when we opened the door, the baseballs just started floating down the sidewalk into the street. Oh, so uh then they get in there and it's just and i i didn't expect it to be like that bad like i thought it would be like a, you know some of the some of the stuff might be like kind of wet and we maybe we could dry it off but i got in there it's just a total just disaster like half the ceiling tiles are just on the floor there's like wires yeah. hanging from the ceiling like the the security camera we had was just like hanging in the middle of the room it was just a total just disaster and we had like box we i had boxes of brand new merchandise that i hadn't opened before the holiday break yet and they were just completely soaked we had to get rid of them couldn't couldn't use them at all and it ended up being the back room the store floor everything on the walls everything like on on all the racks it was just total loss everything just had to be discarded and we had just basically just had to start from scratch with uh putting product back in the store
2: yeah so what, what were the next steps from that because like I, I went on the instagram page for the rubber ducks team store and you guys were fulfilling online orders it sounded like and having people pick up their orders from like the team office how quickly did you have to put those plans in place and try to keep at least pushing somewhat of a product mm-hmm.
0: yeah so uh we didn't We weren't back in the office until the first week of January. So there were just a a few days there where I was just like, I just thinking about it, like I couldn't do anything. So, but uh, we get back in, into the office, then uh, I ended up having to move my desk uh, up to like where the sales guys are and everything. And so what we, we basically just had, uh, we have like a separate storage room of hats and then we have another storage facility of like some novelty items like drink wear, like plush animals, just uh, and then just like other hats pretty much. So we, we basically had no apparel items, but we did have some hats uh, that we were able to sell. And we uh, we did uh, we sold a decent amount of uh, of uh, items from basically maybe like uh 20 of the total inventory that we had so of the original inventory but uh yeah we were i was uh my label printer got damaged uh and so did like the um the shipping shipping printer so i was just uh printing out shipping labels on pieces of paper taping them on boxes uh just like basically laminating them with packing tape um but people were buying it. I was still shipping items out to people. And uh didn't I didn't really have to issue that many refunds for people since uh we we're so close to the holidays. But uh, I just I made the most of the, the situation and uh people were still happy their understanding they're understanding if they couldn't shop in the store for a few months, but uh we made the made the most of the situation, I would say. Yeah, and at what point did it feel like being back to normal? Mm -hmm. yeah so our um two days before opening day we had a a season ticket holder like uh event at the stadium and that's like one of their days they get a discount in the store so we had to make sure that the store was up and running and stocked uh for our season ticket holders to come purchase stuff and it was uh about two hours before uh the event started that uh well, cause we also got a new point of sale system in the off season. So it was about two hours before that event started that we got the point of sale up and running in the store. And uh, that was our first chance to test it out on our season ticket holders. And then uh, we, uh, yeah. And then that day, uh, like the, the two weeks leading up before that, we had our whole staff uh, there, like until 8 PM, we were folding, folding shirts putting stuff on hangers reassembling uh fixtures for the store floor we were there monday through friday like nine to eight and then the like five to eight we were just non-stop just doing stuff in the store to prepare for that uh season ticket holder event and it turned out pretty smooth not no many and uh, not many uh issues with anyone and the season ticket holders were happy to see a, a new store uh New updated. Uh we got new flooring, new ceiling, new new racks, uh pretty much new everything. So it was a uh, it was a fresh new start and it uh it definitely uh created a updating of the store that it, it kind of needed it. So it <laughs> I wouldn't call it a blessing in disguise, but it was uh is definitely well timed for a renovation.
1: Luke, you were alerted to this flood on December twenty seventh. Do you guys have any idea how long that pipe had been just gushing water into your store? Do you know when that burst?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we believe it was like early morning that day, and I believe someone was like walking. Along the sidewalk and DM'd our Facebook account. And oh, no. That, uh, <laughs> we, had some, we had like alarms going off. There's like water running out of the store. And then our groundskeeper was the first one to actually see it. And then our uh, facilities uh, VP, he was the first one to like open the doors and everything.
1: All right. Let me ask you this question. You are away from the store. It's a holiday week. And all of a sudden, there's some mischief with water. There's a beloved holiday film, Luke, that involves a couple of criminals who like to turn the water on when they leave the site of a burglary. Have you ruled out Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci as the wet bandits leaving their mark on Akron? Also, Luke, you're like 21, 22, 23 years old. This movie predates you by like 10 years, and that makes me very depressed.
0: You home alone, right? Yes, <laughs> we uh, I, I don't think they were in the running, but uh, maybe okay. we could look into it, I guess. I was
1: gonna say it's just one of those things to keep an eye on. There's always some squirrely types around looking to wreak havoc. One thing I do want to actually uh, get your feeling on, though, is you have these moments where everybody pitches in. And there are so many of those moments in minor league baseball where a front office you all have to pull on the same end of the rope and get something done and very often it probably feels like oh there's no way that we're going to get this done. But you're Office mates, your teammates, in effect, come and help out cleaning up the store, getting the new furniture put together, getting everything folded and and you know pieced uh in this new chapter of the store. How cool was that for you? That everybody was kind of there to have your back on something that, of course, not just affected you; it did affect everyone. But that's got to be a pretty neat feeling of oh, okay, this yeah, we really are kind of all in this t- together.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, like we. We didn't start doing that until I think 16 days before, uh, that first event. And, uh, like the first day that, uh, that I was able to go in there, I, I just started to try and put some hats on the wall and, uh, and I was in there for like two hours. I ended up like barely doing anything at all. And then, uh, those, we did it for two weeks, the all hands on deck with all our staff and then, uh. It just like day after day, we, the first day we got fixtures in place on the store floor. Then the second day we started uh, getting the, getting all the hangers out of our storage. Third day we were folding, we filled up like all of our storage racks in the back room. Then we were putting stuff on hangers. And it was just like, after the first week it was like, we we're, we, we've got a good chunk of this done. And it was just, it was just awesome just to see everyone helping out. I was so appreciative of everyone. Uh, I definitely couldn't have done it myself. Um, And it was just, I, every, every opportunity I get, I'd love to thank our staff for helping me out with that. And it was just, uh, truly just one of those great uh, team building, maybe not, no one no one really likes doing that kind of stuff but it was definitely a great team builder
1: that we that we had to do so it's not uh, the way you draw it up for team building but it's good team building yeah for sure <laughs> all right luke uh one other thing that popped into my head earlier when you were kind of describing the the immediate aftermath of it you said you really just had to discard all of this product that was ruined what do you do in that circumstance? Can you send any of that back to the manufacturers? Can you get credited for any of it? Is there insurance that kicks in or do you literally just have to throw all this stuff away?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, it was, we didn't, uh, like we didn't touch it for about like a month, honestly, just cause, uh, we were talking with insurance and then, uh, eventually like a month later, we got the good to go from our GM. It's like the insurance will, uh, they'll cover everything that was damaged. So just take like a, a list of everything uh, that got damaged and then we'll send that over. And then, uh, so we, I did that. And then, uh, me and I think it was three other guys. We took just giant trash bags into the store. It, at this point, it was just absolutely disgusting. Cause it was, we hadn't like, I was going to say,
1: was, I cannot imagine the smell at that mm-hmm. point.
0: Yeah. The smell was horrendous. Like one of, one of my friends, he, ended up going and getting a respirator from from our cleaning team and uh coming oh, in man and we we had gloves and gloves and everything and we're then we just start tossing everything into trash bags and but we we weren't allowed to get rid of any of it for a period of at least three months because the insurance was they were able to just come anytime and like inspect the the list that we sent over um uh, not that i don't know who would want to do that but i mean digging through trash bags of wet and disgusting moldy clothes but uh we ended up putting i think it was maybe 150 trash bags worth of damaged merchandise into uh like one of the concourse bathrooms and uh those three months hadn't ended by the beginning of the season so we Eventually had to move all of those disgusting trash bags full of stuff, move it to a, like a, like a storage unit we kept in the parking lot. And then we did that like right before the season started and kept it in there for a long time. Uh, I, I did not go in the storage unit. I don't know. I would not want to smell that, but it was, we just kept it there for a while, and then we uh, eventually just had to discard it. But we did get uh, an insurance check from it. So thankfully, they, the city of Akron and our insurance did reimburse us for that.
2: Yeah, and obviously, that's not the only happy ending to this story. It's that you guys got the new team store up, like you were saying earlier. It's it's a brand new one. It's, it's even better than the old one. Um, but here we sit. You know, in December, in the middle of the holiday season, you guys set franchise records for caps, game day revenue, total annual revenue for for merchandise. As we look here, you know, we're eleven days away from Christmas, Hanukkah is ongoing. Um, any other reason people are buying presents right now? What has been popular this year in Akron Rubber Ducks Land? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we've
0: been very busy in the last, like since since Black Friday. I don't I don't know if I've done much of anything else at work just besides fulfilling online orders like it's we've been extremely busy with uh that mm-hmm. and i'd say our like our most popular um item uh, has been our uh alternate uh royal blue cap with a yellow rubber ducky on it like a physical rubber duck not our actual logo but it's our uh sunday logo that has been it's been popular ever since I've been in the position and it's been by far the most popular product we've had this holiday season, as well as we have a, a second a second hat just like it, but with like a yellow bill. So it matches the logo. Those two have been flying off the shelves ever since like Thanksgiving.
3: And then, Luke, uh, what about during games? I mean, with so many home games on the schedule, you um there can be different sorts of crowds for different games, you know, thirsty Thursday, as opposed to a Sunday afternoon. Uh, maybe there's a certain promotion for one game. that um, brings in a certain s- sort of crowd, but as the season goes on, like, do you start to pick up those trends? Like, Oh, it's a Sunday. We're going to be selling a lot more of this or, Hey, it's this, this is a younger crowd tonight. Um, you know, we're going to be going to be drinking. We might sell more of this. Uh, do you pick up those trends and patterns during the, course of the season or kind of know what to prepare for on a game by game basis. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. One of the biggest um, trends that I follow is basically just the weather. Like uh, when, especially in like June, September, uh, those, those kinds of games, the, like the high temperature of the day will be 75 and the low will be maybe like 55. Those games are just total like sweatshirt, hoodies, crew necks, those just fly out of the store so i've been just uh we stock up a lot on those before those kinds of games like that's that's probably the biggest trend that i've noticed in the last 2 years it's just people show up with just a t-shirt on and they get when the sun goes down in the stadium just with all the concrete and the seats and everything it just gets kind of cold so people have to buy blankets and sweatshirts hoodies those so like i'm i'm stocking hoodies in july like i'm ordering hoodies all year round just for those kinds of games and like it they never die out
3: and heading into this season uh to the 2024 season what is an item that you don't currently have at the store that you think would that you would love to sell uh you know something you might have your eye on or even something that might not exist yet but what sort of thing would you like to add to the inventory that is not currently there
0: Mm -hmm. yeah people all the time ask ask me if we have a rubber ducks branded rubber duck and we don't because uh there are no no licensed vendors that make customizable rubber ducks so people always ask that Ah! and uh we just we just don't have it we have unlicensed rubber ducks just like plain just tons of different colors and they're, they're in like little outfits and everything, but, uh, we do not have a rubber ducks branded rubber duck.
3: Wow. Yeah. That seems can like figure that a, out. Rubber ducks might want to have. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We got to get on one of these companies and be like, Hey, have you considered the rubber duck trade? Do you want to get in on this <laughs> on the rubber duck magnet? Have you wanted to the corner of this market, please?
3: Seriously? Well, hopefully we will have a uh, licensed rubber ducks at some point, uh, in the near future. Um, But until then, I know you've got a lot of work to do uh, sending out these orders for the holidays and, of course, getting ready for the 2024 season. Uh, Luke Tracy, manager of merchandise for the Akron Rubber Ducks, Uh, thanks so much for joining us on the show before the show podcast.
0: Thank you.
1: Well, as Ben noted a little while ago, we are kind of in the doldrums of the minor league offseason. But that does not mean that we are without news. And we got some very cool news uh, this week and a story from one Sam Dykstra at MILB, uh, or at MLB Pipeline, I should say, from just yesterday. We're recording this on the 14th of December, uh, announcing that Major League Baseball uh, has unveiled a new spring training event called Spring Breakout, which is coming from the 14th to the 17th of March in 2024, in which all 30 big league clubs will assemble rosters of 20 to 25 of their best prospects to take on top prospects or rookies. From other organizations, this will happen obviously during spring training. Each team will play at least one seven-inning exhibition game as part of this initiative. Uh, one Arizona and one Florida organization will play two over the four days of this event to make all of the math work with how the teams are structured in the the Cactus and the Grapefruit League. Um, but Sam, let's talk about this. Give us uh, sort of the breakdown of what this is, how this came about. Uh, it's obviously a very cool thing in a time of year in which prospects are usually just on backfields and kind of relegated once they have been sent back from big league camp uh, to kind of the anonymity of getting ready for a minor league season. But tell us about the spring breakout.
2: Yeah, I I think you hit the nail on the head there, Tyler. I mean, one thing MLB is trying to do in a better way uh, the last few years has been promoting prospects and promoting that next generation and getting them front and center as best as the game can. Um, You know, some of the events we have on the calendar that incorporate that or the all-star futures game every year. Uh, And also the Arizona fall league. I always call the Arizona fall league kind of an all-star game. Every game futures game, obviously tied into the all-star game. This is that just in the spring. We're getting an early look at all these prospects. Uh, Like you said, it's, it's one exhibition game. This is just an exhibition series. And also this is just the start, right? Like the, the 2024 spring breakout is the first edition of this. We'll see how popular it is. We'll see how it goes. The, Support online has been near unanimous, I got to say. Getting people in baseball to agree on something never happens. Uh, but this is like a 99% approval rating. It's been really fun to see online. People get excited about this type of thing. Because like you said, around middle of March, your best chance of seeing this many prospects on one field is on the backfields. And as much as I can beat that drum to tell people, hey, go to the backfields. Go go check in on your favorite prospects. It's not as accessible, and, and people are not going to trips to Arizona and Florida necessarily to go on the backfields. They want to be in the Major League Stadium. So let's put the prospects there too, and they're not just coming in for the seventh or eighth inning you know, with the number 86 on their back because they're just end-of-roster guys. This is really a showcase event. Um, so this is a prime opportunity to do this, and like I said, this is just the first edition. If things go well this year, and I don't anticipate them not going well, uh, we'll see where the next steps for this could be. I mean, you know, there's, there have been discussions about maybe turning this into a tournament of some sorts. There would be a lot more logistics to that rather than just setting up an exhibition series. But maybe that's somewhere where this goes at, at some point um, with some other incentives to play your best players. Uh, it seems like MLB is going to really lean on teams to have their best prospects in this game. It's Each roster is going to be 20 to 25 of the best prospects. Uh, And that's going to be varying talent levels from team to team, of course. But it's just it's such a fun opportunity to get these guys before they go out to all four corners of the country and Vancouver. uh, Before they spread out across the country to get them on one field together, to kind of measure teams up and see how your best prospects look. And if you're a fan of that team to get a look at your future.
1: All right, Sam, in the matchups that we can expect, it's so different from just a traditional American League versus National League or division teams against each other or whatever. Grapefruit and Cactus League, there is sort of no rhyme or reason to who is where uh, as it comes to the matchups of prospects and systems against each other uh, for this initiative. What are some of the potential prospect class matchups from organizations that we'll see against each other?
2: yeah, so in terms of like what are the best matchups in terms of like team versus team, it's got to start with the Orioles at the Pirates. Um that's gonna be one of the first games we have. It's on March fourteenth. It'll be the first game played in Florida. It'll actually be the second game on the schedule. Uh, that'll be at seven oh five Eastern time. I believe they've already announced that that game will be on MLB network. Uh, so a lot of people will get it, be able to watch that game. The Orioles are number one farm system for a long time now. Uh, and they're just going to be absolutely loaded. I was starting to put together what their roster or their lineup could look at. It's pretty close to a top 100 prospect everywhere. You're talking about Jackson Holiday at short, Kobe Mayo at third base, Heston Kerstad in the outfield, or at first base, Colton Cowser in the outfield, Samuel Basayo at catcher. Uh, it, it, it's a really, really deep lineup, and that would be really fun to see. You go against the Pirates. Who have four top 100 prospects currently, including the number one overall pick from last year, Paul Skeens. So just think of this, Tyler, when you're envisioning what this event could be. It's the second game of Spring Breakout, Orioles at Pirates. So Orioles are are batting or leading off in the first inning. Who do they have up first? The guy we all want to see, Jackson Holiday. Who's he facing? Paul Skeens. Just imagine that matchup. The 2022 number and, one overall pick.
0: That's pretty good. It's, it's
2: pretty, pretty good. good going up, up against the 2023 number one overall pick. That is a dream. That is a dream. And like you said, this is not something we would see a ton of. I know there's a balanced schedule now. With the Orioles and Pirates, two separate leagues, two different divisions, we might not see a ton of Paul Skeens versus Jackson Holiday over the next decade. We will get If all works out well and those guys are healthy and they decide to play them in this game, which they absolutely should if, if schedules line up, This is something we're not going to see a ton of, maybe, in their major league careers, but we will see it this spring. And I I love that thought. So Orioles at Pirates is my first one to watch. Uh, Just a couple others to throw in real quick. Rays at Twins on March 16th. The Rays are really loaded, as always. They're very deep. Um, But their entire infield could be full of top 100 prospects. You put uh, Junior Camonero at third base. You put Carson Williams, who's a gold glove winner in the minor leagues, at short. You put... Curtis Meade at second base. I know he's a little bit more of a third baseman, but his arm makes him better at second base. In Xavier Isaac, who was a breakout prospect, and their first-round pick from 2021. You put him there, or 2022, excuse me. Uh, yeah, that, that could be a really loaded team. And then on the twin side, you have Emmanuel Rodriguez, who's really toolsy in the outfield. Walker Jenkins was their p- top pick last year at number five. And Brooks Lee, who's trying to push for a major league debut, That's what I love about this event, too, is that it's not just all Major League-ready prospects. You could have a single-A guy playing next to a triple-A guy or a double-A guy playing next to a teenager. It's going to be the entire spectrum. As long as they have prospect status and they're considered talented, they're going to be on the same field, and I love that. Uh, One other one to throw out real quick is the Reds versus the Rangers, Uh, and I like that most because, and again, I'm really interested to see how teams are going to use this, but the Rangers could put Evan Carter in that game. He's still going to be a rookie in 2024. I uh, know he was a bit of a World Series hero. Put him next to Wyatt Langford, who's going to be pushing for a spot on the Major League Club, and Bruce Bochy has said he is in competition for that. That's that's exactly what this event should be. I mean, if you're a Rangers fan, you want those guys paired together, taking up two-thirds of your gr- spots on the grass for a long time in Arlington. Get them together here. This is the exact type of showcase event for that. And then the Reds, loaded with infielders, um, but you could also have Rhett Lauder starting the game, who was their first-round pick last year. He's never faced Wyatt Langford, uh, despite them being really good college talents, one out of Wake Forest, one out of Florida, so that would be really cool. And then top 100 prospects, Noel B. Marte and Edwin Arroyo on the dirt in the infield. That could be really special, too. Uh, You keep going down the list. The idea of prospects playing against each other just gets me super excited.
1: Speaking of that, is there anything else as far as potential individual matchups? You mentioned, you know, maybe in some uh, avenue of this, seeing Paul Skeens against, um, you know, Jackson Holiday, something else like that. Is there anyone else one on one who you think we could potentially see?
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the matchups, too, is, is the White Sox versus the Cubs. Uh, it, that didn't quite make my list of like top five games to watch, but if you're in Chicago, you're absolutely going to be watching that game. Uh, and that's Colson Montgomery versus Kate Horton. Kate Horton was a first round pick of the Cubs in 2022. I will not say he had a breakout season last year, but certainly met or even exceeded expectations. He's got a mid nineties fastball and a wipeout slider. Colson Montgomery earns plus grades for his both hit and power tools. And one comp you consistently hear with him is Corey Seager. He's a big, Hit it. You know, he's a big shortstop. He can hit the ball really hard. He bats left-handed. He's heard it a ton. We talked to him in the Arizona Fall League. He's like, yeah, I get it. I would love to be Corey Seager. Um, So seeing those guys go up against each other is a dream spring breakout matchup. And then this isn't pitcher versus pitcher, but I, I like the idea of this one. San Diego and Seattle will be going up against each other in Peoria. They actually share the major league facility in Peoria, Arizona. So those two sides get to know each other pretty well on the backfields. But those two teams also have two of the best catching prospects in baseball in Ethan Salas and Harry Ford. Harry Ford, no stranger to a spotlight event. He competed in the World Baseball Classic uh, for Team Great Britain and was also in the European Baseball Championships for Team GB. So th- he won't shy away from that spotlight. And Ethan Salas was maybe the breakout prospect of last year um, with the way he rocketed all the way up to double A just after signing in January in his age 17 season. So those are two guys you want to put front and center. Uh, the fact that they are going up against each other uh, should be really, really interesting. Getting Solace to work with multiple Padres pitching prospects. And we've talked about this before after the Juan Soto trade. They are deeper in pitching prospects now than they were. Uh, that's a That's a great check-in point for ethan Solis, especially after he ended ended last year injured uh so getting to see him on a stage like that could be really special i'm sure they're going to get him uh some spring training at bats too but this is a really a showcase event for somebody like ethan Solis. so those are just two of them um coming up you know there are some other pitching matchups i'm really interested to see like ricky tiedemann go against spencer jones in an al east matchup that's a blue jay against a Yankee. Uh, tiedemann Left-handed thrower, Jones, left-handed hitter, but actually had better splits against lefties than righties. That could be really special. And Tiedemann has a a mid-'90s fastball, really good sweeper, and a plus-plus changeup. So that could be a fun battle. It might be over in one pitch, but I'd love to see it go six or seven just because those guys are so talented.
1: So you can read all the details on that at MLB Pipeline, and uh, that'll uh, get you at least – Somewhat ready for, I know it's still three months away somehow, but I'll get you at least somewhat ready for uh, like the first big prospect
2: showcase of the 2024 season. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that like they announced this in December. So it's wetting your appetite. Like I'm champing at the bit now just to be like, I want to see this now. Why can't we just have these guys play tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. Um, Make this a winter league. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Soon enough. And like I said, this is just the start. So right now it's it's a one game each. Some teams have to play two. Maybe it will be more than this. So, you know, the more support this gets, the better and bigger it can be.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We will step aside, and then we're back to wrap up the show next. Final segment of this week's episode of the show before the show, MILB.com, where you can find all of the latest and greatest news about minor league baseball. Uh, And dudes, if you were requesting something, For uh, the holidays this year, that was a minor league baseball piece of merchandise. What is
2: it? What are you going with? What I'll throw out there is one I almost bought for myself uh, today, Louisville. And I found out about this through the Ben's Biz newsletter. So just to
1: shout out the Ben's Biz newsletter. Which you can subscribe to, by the way, at MILB.com.
2: Yes, you should. And you should. And if you're not already, put the podcast on pause. Do that. Then come back. Uh, was Louisville came out with a new hat, which was done in coordination with the Ali center in Louisville. Um, so it's got, it just says Louisville across the front, but it looks like kind of the style of boxing trunks. It's white with like a black outline. And then on the side, it has. I'm immediately a, oh, going
1: to look for this hat right now.
2: Yeah. It's a snapback. It's got a butterfly on the side. I think that might be the logo for the Ali Center. I'm not sure. But it is a butterfly, and it says Ali in it. It's very very clean. Uh, It's perfect for that city, obviously, having such a strong connection to Muhammad Ali. Uh, It's very classic. I think you could wear that with any outfit and, and look good and tell the story of, like, what is that hat? It belongs to the Louisville Bats who play in Muhammad Ali's hometown. Uh, and what is the Ali Center? If you ever get a chance, I highly re- recommend going out there. Having been to Louisville a few times myself now, uh, it is one of the best parts of that city, along with Louisville Slugger Museum. So that is what I would request, only because I was about to buy it today and I haven't done it yet. So if somebody wants to do that for me, that would be lovely.
1: Take notes, that's your family. Sam, <laughs> what about you?
3: Yeah, it's a good answer, Sam. You know, I was in Louisville last year and um Heard some anecdotes about Muhammad Ali often turning up at bats games or their previous iteration as the Louisville Redbirds playing at Cardinal Stadium. And, you know, he would just show up unannounced and then end up doing magic tricks for kids. And you can just sort of imagine Muhammad Ali and his reputation, just him with a huge group of kids around him. And he's entertaining them with some probably fairly basic, uh, you know, magic tricks at a, a minor league baseball game. It's just like a real heartwarming thing to imagine but uh that is a cool um, collaboration that sam mentioned it is in the newsletter there's also a bobblehead um but is only available to season ticket holders even though a season ticket in this case can just be five game plan um but is not going to be a giveaway or for sale separately um but for me um you know i'm a parent now so i don't live for myself i live for someone else and um i have to get a present for my child i don't think about me anymore i am a non-entity um no, but in all seriousness, um, I think what I would want uh, from the minor league landscape would be uh, size three T-shirts for Harry. Um, I tried to buy them on my road trips last year. So I'm trying to think of what team I would uh, really want for him right now. Honestly, I have a Florence Flamingos hat. You know, they're a summer collegiate team, and he loves my Florence Flamingos hat, and he's always asking for, for his own Flamingos hat. So even though it's not in the affiliated realm, I do want to get him a uh you know toddler sized Lawrence Flamingos hat. And beyond that maybe like a Lehigh Valley uh food item 3 t-shirt because you know I have Pennsylvania roots so how about a uh, size 3t scrapple shirt for my son? I'm into
2: that. That's Your son who has never lived in Pennsylvania but needs to be in green with Scrapple culture, right? Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. You gotta start teaching them young. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's
3: just like random it. enough, and you know, for a three-year-old wearing a alternate identity
1: <laughs> toddler T-shirt, I just like the incongruity of all that.
2: Tyler, what about you?
1: Uh, I think I gotta go with uh, our pal Dan Simon. I need some Rome Emperor's gear. I gotta have a uh, a Rome Emperor's lid. They got such great new logos. Uh, it was so much fun talking to Dan on the podcast. So I'm keeping my eye out for the right Rome emperor's lid for me. Uh, I've never been to Rome, Georgia. I have only been to Georgia like twice. But, you know, I'm Italian. So I feel like I can trace, you know, much like you would Scrapple. I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm kind of maybe possibly somewhat in a little way descended from the people who wore togas and, you know, ruled a vast part of Europe at one time 2000 years ago.
3: Yeah, I mean, just Seems looking logical. you can tell that's your bloodlines. Uh, not just uh, Italian, but Ancient
1: former stock right there. <laughs> Ancient Roman greatness yeah. or something like that. Um, Alright, well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the show before the show. Uh, massive thanks, Luke Tracy, for joining us from Akron. Uh, Josh Jackson as well. And for Benjamin Hill and Sam Dykstra, my name is Tyler Vaughn. We'll catch you next week.